Today's show is sponsored by Datadog, a real-time monitoring platform that unifies metrics, logs, and distributed request traces from your cloud containers and orchestration software. Track the health and performance of your dynamic containers, apps, and services with rich visualizations and machine learning-driven events. Datadog's cluster agent streamlines data collection from large container clusters and allows you to auto-scale Kubernetes workloads based on any metric you're already collecting with Datadog. To start monitoring your container clusters, sign up for a free trial today, and Datadog will send you a free t-shirt. Visit datadog.com slash cloudcast to get started. That's datadog.com slash cloudcast. Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is The Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to The Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hope everybody is doing well. It is kind of early to mid-February 2021. We continue to roll through the year. Before we get to cloud news of the week, we're going to hit a couple of housekeeping items real quick uh, just around the show and in the audience and the community. Uh, hopefully, you had a chance to listen and download to the Sunday Perspective show. So uh, we're going to start putting out a show on Sundays. Obviously, the one on Wednesdays, the one that you're listening to right now, will always sort of be the main show. It'll be the one that has uh, both cloud news of the week as well as our, as our interview and our guest. Sunday, we're going to put out a little bit shorter show, 15 to 20 minutes, um, you know, a little bit perspectives on the industry. Um, and obviously, you know, this allows us to, to dive a little bit deep into some aspect of the industry that's, you know, worth kind of having in your back pocket and knowing about. Sometimes it's historical, sometimes it's perspective on how we got where we are. Sometimes it'll be looking forward, but we'll be putting those out every Sunday morning. So there'll be both a, a Sunday show and a Wednesday show. Uh, you know, we, a lot of folks have given us feedback that, again, so many things go on in this industry, so many th topics that we talk about. Sometimes they're always looking for a little more connected tissue or some ways to, you know, figure out how things all uh, plug in together. So we're going to use the Sunday show to provide a little more perspective on that, and that'll be out uh, every Sunday morning. Second is, hopefully you've had a chance to uh, maybe listen to Cloudcast Basics, tell a friend about it, tell a colleague. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot of uptake on it. We really appreciate everybody who's who's done that. But yeah, if you get a chance, tell your friends. Um, it is a separate feed from uh, the Cloudcast. Uh, you know, keeps them separate. Uh, but yeah, we're seeing some nice uptick there, and it's a great show if um, you know people want to get the basics of the cloud. They want to just listen to it, uh, you know, 15, 20 minutes per show. They're all done serially, so they build on top of each other. Season one is out, season zero is out. So if you get a chance, tell a friend. We'd love to uh, again help build the cloud community and build up some some new people to come and join us uh, every week. So with that, we're going to get to cloud news of the week. And the two things that we were going to hit on this week, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about sort of the first round of uh, earnings announcements that came out. So Azure had an announcement, IBM had an announcement, a few others had some announcements. And this week, uh, AWS, Google, and AliCloud all had their announcements. So I'm going to put those things in the show notes. I know there's been some coverage throughout the news about it. Uh, AWS was up 28-29% uh, uh, year over year. Uh, Google announced their earnings. Their numbers were up, uh, but they also, for the first time, broke out their operational numbers. I know people had different perspectives on that. Uh, you know, their their revenue numbers were up, but their operational numbers were were also up high, and they they took a loss for the quarter. You know, I think the perspective on that is, um, you know, you got to look at, as I mentioned in the the Andy Jassy recap show from Sunday. You know, it took AWS a good uh, about eight nine years to really become profitable. Um, obviously, Google has a 
you know, huge installed data center uh, base, you know, cloud base they can build on. But it does take a long time to get these things profitable. So uh, Google's obviously, you know, coming from third place perspective, really doubling down on sales and marketing and and hiring and so forth and some partnerships. So, you know, I expect we will see losses uh, in that space, but we are seeing their revenues grow as well. So interesting to see that. Uh, AliCloud announced their earnings about two and a half billion dollars for the quarter. I think that puts them pretty solid number four uh, in the cloud space. So, um, you know, we continue to see that grow as well. The other couple of things I wanted to talk about, I want to point these out because for anybody who follows the show quite a bit or follows the industry, um, it's always good to follow the money. Right, so a um, couple of interesting reports that were out this week. Um, Charles Fitzgerald, who does an outstanding job covering the cloud and um, uh, covers capex in particular, a lot of other things on a website called Platformnomics. Um, he always does a, an annual or biannual look at the capex spend of all the clouds. So his report is out. Uh, that's out in Cloud News of the Week. Definitely take a look at it. Um, it's always good to put in perspective how much is being spent behind the scenes uh, to run these cloud environments, but also you know just the overall capex spend of of those big three companies. And then finally, uh, the 2021 State of FinOps report is out. So for all those of you trying to make sense of how much it costs to be in the cloud, how to manage costs in the cloud, uh, the new tooling that's around this, uh, interesting report that came out from the FinOps Foundation uh, So for 2021. So take a look at those. Those are in the show notes under Cloud News of the Week. And with that, we're going to wrap up Cloud News of the Week. We're going to get to our discussion, have a very, very interesting conversation with the folks from NVIDIA to talk about all the really interesting things they're doing to really redefine what infrastructure looks like both in the data center, but also in the cloud. We'll get to that right after the break. Today's show is sponsored by Onyx, the award-winning cloud solutions provider. As a premier Google cloud partner and an advanced consulting partner for AWS, Onyx is the partner you need to take advantage of all the cloud has to offer. Always on, Onyx provides consulting services for cloud infrastructure, collaboration, devices, enterprise search, and geospatial technology. They build long-standing, authentic relationships with their clients. Onyx's cloud data experts are your trusted advisors for discovery and planning to data migration, storage, and visualization. Their team provides experienced machine learning consulting and ensures you are maximizing your data's value. See why 97% of their clients say they're satisfied with the work Onyx has done for them. For a limited time, Onyx is offering your organization a free six-hour cloud data strategy workshop, normally valued at over $2,000. For more information on this special offer, visit onyxnet.com slash the cloudcast. That's O-N-I-X-N-E-T dot com, onyxnet.com slash the cloudcast. Today's show is sponsored by CloudZero. For software-driven companies focused on growing margins, CloudZero is the only cloud cost intelligence platform that puts engineering in control by connecting technical decisions to business results. By analyzing cloud services like AWS and Snowflake, CloudZero provides real-time cost insights that help you maximize margins. Engineering teams can answer critical questions like, who are my most expensive customers? How much does this specific feature cost our business? What's the cost impact of re-architecting this application? With cost anomaly alerts via Slack, product-specific data views, and granular engineering context that makes it easy to investigate any cost, CloudZero is your complete cloud cost intelligence platform connecting the dots between high-level trends and individual line items. Join companies like Drift, Rabbit7, and SeatGeek by visiting cloudzero.com slash cloudcast to get started today. That's cloudzero.com slash cloudcast. And we're back. And folks, you know, one of the things that, uh, 
you know, we love kind of digging into and going back and forth on is, is both hardware and, and software. And Aaron, uh, you know, you and I have sort of had our share of experience in both those things. So this should be a, a very interesting topic, not to mention today is your birthday. So happy 39th birthday again. Uh, <laughs> That's right. That's right. Congratulations on another year on the sun. Um, I sure have a lot of gray in my beard for 39, but yeah, yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So <laughs> today we're going to, we're going to, we're going to dive a little bit into kind of where the data center is going, where infrastructure is going, kind of the center of the universe of, of kind of how things are evolved. And we're very excited today to, to dive into not only a company we haven't talked about, well, we, we talk about all the time, but haven't interviewed, but also a topic we really want to dive into. So really excited to have Kevin Deerling, who is Senior Vice President of Marketing at NVIDIA. Kevin, welcome to the show. We're excited to talk to you. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So, uh, you know, as I mentioned, you know, we we talk about NVIDIA all the time on the show. Uh, we're always a mix of, of hardware and software. Before we dive into any of that, um, you you have a pretty interesting background. You have a lot of sort of diverse interests. So give folks, give the listeners a little bit of, of your background, the things that, that you're passionate about, and, and kind of ultimately what brought you to, you know, NVIDIA and, and sort of, you know, now the center of kind of the data center and cloud universe in terms of, of infrastructure and I.O. and stuff. Yeah, so I came into NVIDIA last year through the Mellanox acquisition. So I uh, run the networking products part of our NVIDIA team. And really, I do have a broad background. I've done a lot of software and a lot of different types of startups and communications, et cetera. And that's what I love about being at NVIDIA because the company has really transformed itself from a gaming company to a data center company and an accelerated computing company across just a ton of different applications. So it really gives us a great opportunity to accelerate all of those different applications, whether robots, uh, self-driving cars, drug discovery, all of that is AI and every business is becoming AI. And and Kevin, you, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, historically I've thought the exact same thing you just said there of NVIDIA, you know, is, is kind of the 3D company or the GPU company, right? And so before we dig into kind of your area of focus, um, let's kind of step back and especially with the Mellanox background as well, well, give us an idea of like the big picture view of where we are kind of as an industry, but also with NVIDIA's view of that in, you know, 2021 with cloud and data center. Yeah, I think the it turned out that that gaming GPU was the perfect place to start to address the massive parallelism that's required to perform AI. And once that happened, we've just seen the complexity of the models and the types of problems that we're able to solve explode. And so at the same time that we see Moore's Law slowing down, we see the scope and the scale of AI problems scaling up at a super linear rate. So the net of all of this is that we really can't think about the computer anymore as this single box with uh, constrained by you know, sheet metal, but rather the data center becomes the new unit of computing. And when that happens, suddenly it's not just the CPU, but also the GPU and now the DPU that uh, the networking piece brings to the equation. So those are the trinity, if you will, of this new data center as the, the new unit of computing. Yeah. And, and you know, as, as we mentioned um you know, and, and I'll, I'll say it. You don't have to say it. I feel like we're we're a little bit in a kind of a post Intel world um, because, like you said, we're no longer thinking about 
kind of individual boxes. We're having to think about things that at a much grander scale. Um, you know, we, you mentioned GPUs, you mentioned CPUs, and then you you talked about this sort of other concept called a DPU, which is you know right in your domain. So give us a, give us some basics. What not only what is a DPU, but you know what are the things that that it, it's able to solve in the data center now that we're thinking about. Uh, the data center is sort of our our complete place where we're doing um, where we're doing computing and and uh, analysis and all the other ways we have to manage data. Yeah, so with the GPU doing this massive parallel processing for AI, you need to be able to actually get the data to and from both the GPU, the GPU and the CPU. And for that, the data processing unit or the DPU is what's been developed. And what we see here is that you can offload the software-defined networking, storage, and security so that instead of running that on the x86, we actually run that on the DPU. And when you do that, we get uh, a huge performance benefit. About 30% of the CPU cores can be returned to run applications. And so that's just the enormous benefit of the DPU. And, and I mean, we think about that just as a follow-up, right? Like we're already hearing about ARM chips being, you know, 40% cheaper, 40% faster, you know, DPUs being able to offload that. I mean, the the story that we're that you're able to tell now is is pretty amazing, right? We're not talking about 5%, 10%, like you're, you're talking 30, 40, 50%, like that, that completely changes the economics. Like how, how do you, how do you think about that world where that economics is just so much different than it was even a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. This is really an economically driven product, the DPU. And we use ARM cores in the SOC that forms that DPU. So the data processing unit includes a bunch of ARM processors. In this case, we've got the A72 ARM, which is a great high performance ARM processor. But we also have dual 100 gigabit per second uh, network connections and a whole bunch of accelerators. And so we like to talk about offload, uh, accelerate, and isolate. And the offloading is easy. We're just shifting the processing from the CPU to the DPU. But the acceleration is really key there to recognize the, the cost savings. Because if we simply shifted the processing that was happening on the x86 to the ARM processor, that naive approach would fail. So we actually accelerate things like NVMe over fabrics or security and encryption, uh, vrouting and virtual switching and container support. All of those is accelerated in hardware. So it's software defined and hardware accelerated. And that's really where we get the cost savings that we're saving hundreds of equivalent x86 CPU cores. And so you, you had an interesting phrase there of, of you know, software uh, and hardware kind of combining all together. And so as we start to see these DPUs come into use, so so let's approach it from a uh, not just economic, but design and architecture standpoint. What are some of the key things architects out there need to start think about with all of this? And, and like, who is thinking about them, right? Like you've, you've always kind of had this standard, oh, I'm the, you know, the network architect. Is it still a networking person? Is it more like an infrastructure person? And, you know, more and more we're combining like AI into this as well. And so tell us a little bit more about 
not just who needs to be thinking about it, but like what do those teams and staffs look like as well? Yeah, I think that's right. You know, what I talked about was the software-defined and hardware-accelerated architecture that we have with the DPU. What that really means is that we can't afford anymore to have the traditional IT guys that sort of managing uh, security policy groups and things like that. In this new containerized world that we're talking about of really sec DevOps, where it's security and DevOps combined, you know, containers are coming and going all the time. And so we need a huge amount of automation. And really it's the integration with all of these different AI platforms that I talked about. So whether it's a retail business or a pharmaceutical business or a robotics business or manufacturing or 5G telco, you know, it's really the combination of business expertise in each of those areas applying AI. So the people that need to be involved are really crossing those traditional boundaries. People shouldn't be thinking of their data center as a you know, cost anymore. It should really be a profit center. And companies that are realizing that and deploying AI onto this new infrastructure, it requires multidiscipline capabilities across the company. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we're seeing that more and more. I mean, every every third or fourth show that we do, it's, you know, AI ops, ML ops, SaaS ops, and you're right, it, it becomes multidiscipline. Um, you know, one of the, as, as we were kind of reading up on this and trying to learn more about it, uh, you know, another term that we hear mentioned a lot with DPUs is, is this idea of a smart NIC, um, which as I first started reading about it, it seemed a little odd because, you know, having grown up with, with ethernet NICs, you were like, yeah, that's a, that's a board. It's an embedded thing on the, you know, on the motherboard and so forth. But give us a sense of like what, what these smart NICs are doing and, and maybe more importantly, like where are people going to go find these out in the marketplace? Are they commonly used? Are they, you know, are they in the clouds today? Are they in, you know, Dell and HP and other types of things? Like g- give us a sense of this concept of smart NIC and, and really kind of how it's evolved. Yeah, the smart neck that has this DPU on it is really an important thing because it puts a computer in front of the computer. So I talked about the offloading from the x86 to the DPU and the acceleration, and it also does isolation. So it's offload, accelerate, and isolate. That isolation is really important from the smart neck because it's put a computer in front of the computer. And that means that you can preserve all of these policies. So whether it's data access policies or security policies on what you can get from the internet or put out on the internet, you can protect for you know, personally uh, identifiable information. There's all kinds of protections that you can layer and yet still present to your customer. And in this case, your customer can be an internal customer, a bare metal server. That's what everybody really wants is, hey, I have complete ownership and control of the server. And at the the same time, you're guaranteeing that you can have all of the policies that you need to protect the company and the users intact. So that combination is really what the DPU-based SmartNIC brings to this new modern data center. And and Kevin, a follow-up to that is, you know, can common applications take advantage of them or do they need to be written for you know dpu offload or to be dpu aware like tell us a little bit more like how far up the stack is that it does that integration truly go yeah that's a great question so one of the things that we announced with our bluefield uh was the software stack that sits on top of that and that's called doka 
It's a data center on a chip architecture. What that does is abstract a whole bunch of the accelerators for software-defined networking, storage, and security, and presents common APIs. So what that means is, is that if you're familiar with writing to a particular, whether it's an OVS model, for example, uh, in the Linux world, or you're familiar with the VMware world, you'll write to the exact same interfaces. And then they will be sitting on top of this layer that we will accelerate it under the hood. So the beauty of this is we're not asking anyone to change all of their architecture. They'll be able to use the familiar management frameworks that they're used to. They'll develop on top of APIs that they're used to. And then as we develop our roadmap underneath and we'll continue to accelerate these DPUs, that common framework of the software, this DOCA layer, will be common across that hardware boundary. So it protects our application developers' investments so that they don't have to rewrite it every time we accelerate it. And we're looking at a thousand-fold acceleration over the next several years. So it's really important that we preserve our development partners' investments in their applications. Yeah, Yeah, and that makes perfect sense because, yeah, I was was just going to say, like, that's, you know, if you get friction in something, right, that's where you're going to get the friction, right, is rewriting that app <laughs> to take advantage of new new APIs. Even if it is something really powerful and you're getting a lot out of it, sometimes just that friction of who's going to rewrite the app um, becomes the, <laughs> the, the where all the problems are coming from, right? Um, yeah. So it yeah, makes sense. So I think- What's good there is we have some history with uh, AI and our GPUs with CUDA. So CUDA was the framework and is the framework that for more than a decade has supported application developers. So you can go back to a 10-year-old GPU and you wrote your application on top of uh, CUDA and it'll still run on our latest, greatest Ampere GPUs. It'll run a lot faster, of course, now because we've uh, got massive amounts of acceleration of the hardware. And so really this DOCA layer is for DPUs, what CUDA is for GPUs. So we're excited that we've got something that will protect the investment that our, our partners are making. Very, very cool. And we'll, we'll get all that stuff in the show notes for folks. So if they're they're listening and they want to follow up, we'll have, uh, we'll have links in there. Um, I want to ask you one last question. Um, you, know, you, you talked a little bit in the opening about kind of these new things that are happening, whether it's autonomous driving or, you know, improvements for 5G telco, like... What are some of the things you see over the next couple of years that that are really going to ramp up um, because this new capability is available, right? Like I can accelerate things. I can, you know, or what what are some of the, you know, kind of early conversations you're you're having with people that they go, oh, okay, this new door has been unlocked, and and you know the floodgates are going to kind of you know going to open and, and things happen. What what are some of those things that people might, um, you know, kind of expect to see or you know you kind of get their peak their interest uh, as to what's possible with this? Yeah, I think every business is going to become an AI business. And that's simply because the ones that don't uh, won't be around. And one of the key technologies that is amazing is really this notion of a, a digital twin. And so whatever the product is that you can imagine that you're trying to build or you're trying to, to fit into, imagine duplicating that in the digital world. And we see this, uh, we showed it most recently with an automobile application where Volvo was actually showing a car that they were building and every single piece of that car was in their database and we could see that car visually and change things. What if we want to move the steering wheel from the left side to the right side? What happens? And that type of digital twin 
And I think even in the, the space of pharmaceuticals, we're actually modeling human beings. If you look at what's happened most recently with uh, the pharmaceuticals and vaccine developments, we can accelerate that if we can actually have a model for the human immune system, that we can start to test things out and evolve that model over time. So I think it's across the board. Any business today can benefit from AI, and I think everything will. Yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. I know we, um, you know, we've got some friends who who run a company called Swim.ai, who is uh, you know in this space. They were they introduced digital twan, twins to us probably eighteen months ago. Uh, for those of you listening, uh, James Urquhart, who was on a few weeks ago, was talking about digital twins in the in the sort of flow space and event driven application space. So yeah, this is definitely a, a buzzword and a concept to keep you know on your radar and so forth. Um, Kevin, we can't thank you enough for, for kind of introducing us to, to what's going on both at, at NVIDIA, but, but with DPUs and some of the new things that you're able to do with Accelerance. Thank you so much for the time today. Um, if people want to reach out and kind of pick your brain on some of these topics, what's a good way to, to get engaged with you? Yeah, so the easiest way is just to go to uh, the NVIDIA website, or you can tweet me. I'm uh, or KD, and uh, I'll respond. Yeah, very, very cool. Aaron, uh, we learned a lot today. You want to take us home? Yeah, absolutely. So as always, thank you everyone for listening. Um, and if you have uh, a moment, um, we would love a review on the either the iTunes store or the Google Play store as well. Um, you know, we've been out there for quite some time now, but trying to build up uh, the reviews a little bit. So if you have a moment, we'd love to see that. And as always, uh, thank you for listening this week. And we'll listen or excuse me. Um, we hope you'll join us next week as well. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 